If this is your first time, then you don't know this. We've been in a series called Heroes. For those of you that have been with us, you know for the last almost 20 weeks, we've been walking through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we have been looking at the lives of men and women, and we've taken a snapshot of their biography, their story, because every, everybody has a story. And everybody's story is powerful. And so over the last five weeks, we've been looking specifically at the life of David. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, whatever you use to get God's Word, uh, you can go ahead and turn there. If not, the words are going to come up on the screen as, as we walk through this sermon this morning. And we're going to talk about a difficult subject. The fact is, it's not only a difficult subject, it can be a very emotional subject because it's something that... You know, it's something I believe that we all struggle with. It's something that I believe that we all deal with at one time or another in our life, and it's this issue of forgiveness. David comes to this place in his life to where there's a guy uh, that begins to attack him publicly. I mean, this isn't something that is behind the scenes. This isn't something that's just between two friends. This is something that is just, is just difficult and is just painful in, in David's life. And so we're going to talk about this issue of how do you walk through the process of forgiveness? What does forgiveness look like in your life? What do you and I need to do to walk through forgiveness so that we can walk in freedom of life? And before we look at 2 Samuel chapter 16, let me tell you a story about a, a pastor by the name of Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio is, is a pastor out of the Atlanta area. Early in Louis' ministry, he, he felt a call to take and to begin to reach college students. And so he started a ministry called Passion. He's written a lot of worship songs, some of which that, that we, we sing here. And so God has used Louis Giglio in an unbelievable way with raising up a generation of college students. Well, this last year, they met at the, uh, uh, the Superdome, in, Superdome Dome in New Orleans. And they had, for three days, they had 60,000 college students that worshipped. And I mean, I, I, I live streamed some of it because I'm really interested in the next generation and what they're learning and where their passions are. And so Louis started this, this uh, campaign called In It to End It. And so the focus was this. The focus was against sex trade trafficking in, in the U.S. and around the world. And so in those several days, these college students, if you can believe this, gave millions of dollars to that cause. And some signed up to serve and do some things as missionaries and some other things. Well, it caught the attention of President Obama and his, his administration. And so because of what Louis was doing uh, with our college students and because of the campaign and the things that they were doing, then Louis was notified and asked that if he wouldn't mind doing the invocation when President Obama was sworn in for his second term. And so Louis said, sure, he would love to do it. He signed up for it. And, and then days or weeks before the, the event, all of a sudden it was announced that Louis Giglio would be doing the invocation. And so this group, this small group of people began going through, through all of Louis' sermons. And they found a sermon that he preached way back in 1995 that they disagreed with. And the criticism started. And they attacked Louis. It was personal. It was public. They attacked the Obama administration. And I mean, it became very, very divisive that he was going to be there and he was going to do the invocation. And as a result of that, Louis Giglio prayed about it and sought God. And so he just came out and said, you know what? I don't want to divide a nation. I don't want to cause embarrassment to the administration. Um, I am being attacked unbelievably personally. And as a result of that, I'm going to decline and I'm going to back away. And he did. But the criticism didn't stop there. 
the conservatives, the Christians began to criticize him that he should have taken a stand, he should have, he should have gone through it. The other side was criticizing him because he was a person of hate and all of this other stuff. In the midst of all this, Louis sends out a tweet, and so if you don't know anything about that, that's with Twitter, and so you can tweet, you can make statements, 140 characters or less, and so Louis is one of those guys that you should follow if you, well, if you use Twitter. And he made this statement that was so simple and so profound in the midst of the controversy that was around him, and it was just this, it is you, not your enemies, that determine who your enemies are. It is you, not your enemies, that determine if you have enemies. It is you, not your enemies, that determine who your enemies are. Just because someone's criticizing you, just because someone is persecuting you, just because someone is hurting you, doesn't mean they're an enemy of yours. Don't give that right up to anybody. As believers, Louis would say, as believers, we decide. And we are bound by the scriptures. And today we're going to talk about David's life when he's in this controversy, when he's in this, this problem with, with a guy that is criticizing him. And it's, we're going to look at how David was able to forgive him. For I, I believe there's a reason that, that God had us and Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we pray this prayer and he says, you pray it daily, right? Forgive us of our sins as... We forgive those who sin against us. You know what you're praying? You know what he instructed us to do? When we pray that prayer, you know what we're praying? Lord, you forgive me the same way I forgive others around me. The same way I forgive others, the same way I release others, I'm asking you to forgive me in the same way. Now, how can we pray, the, how can we pray that prayer? How can we pray the Lord's Prayer? When we harbor resentment against a husband, against a wife, against an ex-spouse, how can we pray that prayer when someone has hurt us deeply? Someone has cheated us out of some money. Someone's words have been spoken into our life that have wounded us deeply. How do we pray that prayer when people have said some hurtful things about us? And it's public. Some of you may not even speak to some people right now whether they're in our church or in your circle of friends, because they have hurt you, because they have betrayed you, how can we pray, Father, you forgive me as I forgive them? See, if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, resentment will destroy you. If you allow resentment into your heart, if you allow resentment into your life, and it goes unchecked in your life and unchecked in your heart, it will destroy you. And I really believe to one degree or another, we all deal with this. See, I believe that holding on to anger is like grabbing a hot coal in your hand and holding on to it and waiting for an opportune time to throw it at somebody else and to hurt them. Meanwhile, you're the only one that is getting burned. You're the only one that is getting destroyed. And David's life, even though it's not perfect and even though it wasn't without sin, David's life can teach us a lot about releasing resentment. It can teach us a lot about what it means to forgive in a real way, in a biblical way. It teaches us how to respond when people hurt us and all of those other things. So this, this morning, 
I want to give you four principles about this issue about forgiveness and this issue about the process of forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't, so we understand it clearly from a biblical standpoint, not from an emotional standpoint. And listen, I'm telling you, we'll just keep it real this morning because forgiveness is hard. Anybody that tells you that forgiveness is easy does not know what they're talking about. The first principle of this is that we're going to forgive. You have to refuse to retaliate when someone has hurt you or treated you unfairly. You have to come to the place in your life to you just refuse to retaliate because guess what? Our flesh, our emotion, you know what? We want to pay them back. We want to get even. We want to hurt them as bad as they hurt us. We want to make life difficult for them. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5, we're just going to pick up the story together, and we're just going to read through this together and bring these principles out. The first, uh, so verse 5, when King David came to Barum, there came a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. So, okay, so, so we need to see the picture. Shimei is really mad, and, he's, and he, he's attacking personally, and publicly he's attacking David. David is at the lowest point of his life. Remember when we left off on David's life, his son Absalom uh, mounted a rebellion, a revolt against him. And so David didn't want to fight his son. He didn't want to go to battle with his son. And so as a result of that, David decides just to leave. And he begins to leave the, uh, the palace. And as he's leaving, this guy, Shimei, is mad. And he goes to the streets, and he stands on the streets, and he begins cursing him continually. And David is with his men, and he has men on his left, and he has men on his right. And see, Shimei had probably been ho holding resentment for a number of years. And, oh, you know, this is important. You know who Shimei was? Saul's grandson. See, Saul was the ex-king, right? And in their day, a family member would become king. So, so Shimei was expecting his dad or an uncle to become the king. And now all of a sudden, it's no longer in the family. It's this other guy. It's this guy named David. And Shimei has lo lost influence. He's lost power. He's lost a lot of things. And You know when this happened? You know in this story, David became king. 20 years before this, Shimei has been hanging on to resentment and unforgiveness for 20 years. He just couldn't let it go. And now all of a sudden, David is like at the lowest point of his life, and, and he's, he's leading the men out, and, and Shimei is there, and he's verbally, bless you. And he's, he's sorry, <laughs> I just didn't know if anyone did. This is a church. Someone has to say, God bless you. You bet. <laughs> and so Shimei is like verbally abusing him. Listen, if you've ever, guys, if anybody else, if you've ever been a victim of verbal or emotional abuse, man, you know it hurts. Words hurt. And you know what? If you're not careful, you can carry words for a lifetime that have been spoken over you, spoken into your life, that carry deep pain. And so Shimei is like, he's like cursing him continually. He's following him down the road. I mean, just picture this. And here is David, a king, and he's leaving. It's the lowest point. Scripture says David is weeping. The, the people are weeping. He was a deeply loved king. I mean, this, is, this has to be humiliating, right? This isn't just in an email. This just isn't in a text message. This isn't just between two friends. But I mean, I've told you, revenge is never enough, right? It's just never enough. 
And resentment, resentment is never satisfied. That's why you have to forgive. That's why you have to let the cold out. Because resentment, listen, resentment, when you have resentment, you'll never find peace. And so we just pick up the story, continue reading. And so as it, and he threw stones. So this guy's going crackers. He's cussing continually. No reaction from David. David keeps marching. His men keep marching. They keep headed out of town. But that's not enough for Shimei. So, so he threw stones at David and all, at all the servants of King David. And all the people of the mighty men were on his right and on his left. So this is a situation where David couldn't fight back. This was a situation where David felt like he just had to, to keep marching. You know what made this even more difficult? David's men were not on the same page with him. The men on his left, the men on his right, you know what his men want to do? We need to take out Absalom. Don't, don't give in to this. Don't give in to the son. Let's take him down. But David did not want This is the most difficult point of David's life. And, and Shimei began to attack, accuse David in an area where he felt some guilt. You know what's really painful in life? When someone makes an accusation into your life to where you already feel guilt. You already feel like you could have done better, you should have done better. If you had to do it over again, you'd do better. And then all of a sudden, someone pokes that wound that hasn't healed. See, David was already feeling some guilt in his, his relationship with Absalom and some other things that went on in his life. And now Shimei is, is pointing that. And so he goes on, verse 7. And so as Shimei, uh, said, as, he, and Shimei said, as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood. And so David, you're nothing but a worthless man. See, Shimei is accusing David of a couple of things. And we're going to talk about criticism and just so we all understand that. But Shimei is accusing David of a couple of things. In other words, he's, first thing he's accusing David is you overthrew my, my, my grandfather Saul. And you were outside the will of God. In other words, you sinned. That in our culture, our time, it should have been handed down to a family member. It should have been one of my uncles. It should have been maybe my dad. And so you, you know what? You are living outside the will of God. God is not going to honor your life. He's not honoring your life. And so you're living outside of the will of God. And so, but we know that was totally untrue. That David waited until Saul, what? Until Saul was put to death. Uh, there, were, there were more than two times that, that, that David could have actually killed Saul, and he didn't because he said, I don't want to sin against God, and, and God has told me that he'll place me in that position, and so I'll wait. But David also made a commitment. Remember last week when we look at Absalom uh, and David's relationship, David made a commitment to Absalom, when, I mean, to Jonathan when, when, when they were walking their best friends, and Jonathan said, David, when you become king, do not kill my family. Will you make a pledge? And remember David made a promise, and David said, I will not make... I will not kill any of your family members because it was common in their time that the new king coming in would put to death the, the, the previous king and then all of his family. So David made that commitment. But in the course of battle, David's men against his will, against his orders, killed one of Saul's grandsons. See, that's one of the problems of leadership. The fact is that's one of the difficulties of leadership is you're responsible for every decision someone makes within your organization, whether you agree with it or not. Just a difficult thing about leadership, right? That you're responsible. And all of a sudden, Shimei says, you know what? You broke a promise. Even though he didn't, even though he didn't ask his men to do that, they just did it. 
In fact, is in Scripture, you realize that, that, he regretted that, that he regretted that they did that. Listen, I'm telling you, one of the difficulties of leadership is this, that you are responsible. And, and here's the issue about criticism, just so we're all on the same page. In every, in every criticism, there's always a hint of truth. Sometimes we're so quick just to dismiss criticism in life and just to get away from it. But I'm telling you, a lot of times, most of, many times, there is, a hint of there is a hint of truth in every criticism. It may be over-exaggerated. There may not be grace there, but we know that it is there. Now, listen, David is at the lowest point of his life, and it is hard to take in an accusation. It is hard to take criticism when you and I are at the lowest point of our life. And he's, he's leaving, and he already feels guilt in this particular area. When someone criticizes in an area that we already feel guilt, it's hard to take. For instance, if you did everything you could to hold a marriage together, and you're willing to go to counseling, you're willing to go to church, you're willing to, to put into practice, you're willing to change all kinds, of, and, and for whatever reason, your, your partner made a decision to walk out, made a decision to abandon you, had an affair, betrayed you or something and you carried a little bit of guilt and said you know maybe if I had been a better husband maybe if I had been a better wife and, and, and then someone looks at you one day and says you know what if you had been a better spouse that wouldn't have happened if you had done things different and so you know it hurts when or you did everything you could to just to raise a child and to honor the Lord and memorize scripture and be in church. And, and then they became an adult and, and for whatever reason they walked away. And you carried a little bit of guilt and said, I could have been a better dad. I could have been a better mom. or could have done things differently. And then, then that day came when someone looked at you and said, you know what? If you had been a better mom, if you had been a better dad, they wouldn't have rebelled. Obviously, something was going on in the home that we didn't know about. Or someone talked about how they made all the right decisions in parenting, and that's the reason their kids are pastors and missionaries and all this other stuff. It's difficult, right? When someone makes a criticism or someone makes an accusation into an area of your life to where you already carry some guilt. And Shimei is, is, is accusing and criticizing David in an area where he has guilt. And, and you know another thing? Shimei is glad David's having problems. You, you know one way you and I know we're harboring resentment and unforgiveness? Is when someone has problems in life and we're going, I'm glad you're getting what you deserve. What goes around comes around. God is getting even after how you've treated me. If you do that, I'm telling you, you got that hot coal in your hand. You got resentment in your life. If you are glad when someone goes through difficult times, Shimei, he was ecstatic. I mean, he looked at this. This is God's will. So watch this, verse, verse 8. Then the Lord, the Lord has avenged you, and so he's of, of all the blood of the house of Saul. So what he's saying is he's, he's accusing uh, David. 
and said, he's, he's getting even with you because of the blood of the house of Saul. He's being unfairly criticized because of the death of his grandson, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. God is getting even with you. You deserve this. You worthless man. You're a sinner. You know, all of that stuff. See, your, see, your evil is on you. You are a man of blood. I mean, we know words hurt, right? We know that words are not harmless. I'm not a big uh, basketball fan. I, I watch a lot of sports, and, but basketball is just not one of them. But I remember one year, many years back, I was watching ESPN, and they were covering the Celtics when Kevin Garnett played for the Celtics, and he played with a guy by the name of, of, of Glenn Baby, Baby Shaq Davis. And those of you, the baseball, basketball fans, you know who those guys are. And so there was a game that the Celtics were playing in Portland, and the Portland uh, were up by 25 points. They were blowing the Celtics out. Coach calls a timeout. The Celtics players go over to the bench. And so all of a sudden, Kevin Garnett just started trash-talking Glenn Baby Shaq Davis and just, just started attacking him verbally for his lack of play. To where on national TV we watched, you could see where, where Glenn Baby Shaq Davis got so emotional over the words that Kevin Garnett was saying, he went over to the end of the bench and he just sat down and he began to sob. There's this big basketball player, this athlete, and he's brought down to tears over this issue of words and some things that a man said into his life. And so here we have Shimei and he is taunting David. And it's not just between two guys. I mean, it's public and it's, it, it's this huge platform. And so it's hard not to resent someone who kicks you when you're down, right? When you come to that lowest point in your life and you're having marital problems and someone says, you know what, I told you not to marry them. Or you're having trouble at a job. You know what, I told you, never take that job. I mean, I told you so. I told you, you would never amount to anything. You know what, you're getting exactly what you deserve. After the way you treated me, it's about time. I'm telling you, you're carrying resentment. And it is only poisoning, it is only burning you. See, King David's soldiers, they wanted to retaliate. And a lot of times your friends and your family want you to retaliate. Very seldom do people have godly people around them. They try to give them godly wisdom. Watch this, verse 9. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, uh, said to the king, Why should this dead dog... So that's a derogatory term. That's a cuss word right there. This is his friends. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over. Watch this. I'll take his head off. And David had all the power. He had all the authority. It was all of his right. And, and David said, No, see, one of the advantages of leadership is this. You develop tough skin. Because if you're going to lead, people are going to criticize you. It just goes with the territory. And David had developed tough. See, there's some people that, man, they're just so sensitive. Someone looks at them the wrong way and they're mad or they're hurt. Listen, let me tell you something. Don't put people on a pedestal. The scripture says, see, David understood that there is no such thing as a perfect person. There's no su fact is, the Bible says there's no such thing as a good person and a bad person. You know that, right? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says there is no one righteous, not one. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we're all falling short of the glory of God. Don't put people on a pedestal. I mean, 
In other words, no one is perfect in relationships and give people room to make mistakes, right? I mean, this is what makes marriage so difficult. Paul's the one, this is just for free. Uh, Paul's the one in Ephesians that said, you know what, this issue of marriage, it is a profound mystery, right? This is a mystery. How many times have we in marriage gone through a day when we're trying to like understand each other and figure each other out, and then we fall in bed that night and say, it's a profound mystery. <laughs> See, the problem with marriage is this. The problem with marriage is, is, is people are looking for happily ever after. I mean, I do weddings, and I do a lot of premarital counseling. I've done tons of premarital counseling in my ministry. And you hear these young couples, when you get them in an office, you begin to talk about marriage, and, and, and both of them will say it, and they'll say, you know what, I just believe I cannot wait to get marriage, married because marriage will make me what? Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> For you Duck Dynasty fans, you get that. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. In case you don't know, happily ever after is a myth. There's a reason we have never seen Cinderella Part 2. Because listen, marriage is made up of two deeply flawed, sinful, selfish, self-centered individuals. And people think we can put these two people together with issues and sin and imperfect people, and we're just going to have marital bliss the rest of our lives. It's unrealistic expectations. One lady once wrote, Dear Abby, and said, Dear Abby says, I want to meet a man I want to meet a 40-year-old man with no bad habits. <laughs> what? Dear Abby wrote back, so do I. <laughs> so here's the difficult thing about marriage. Don't forget this. Tim Keller said this, not me, but here, here's the interesting thing about marriage. The difficult thing about marriage is this. Courtship conceals what marriage reveals. That's why it's so difficult because in courtship you believe you're getting the perfect person. They're putting their fo best foot forward, and you believe, you know what? It's going to be marital bliss from here on out. Mar but courtship conceals what marriage reveals. Friendship reveals who we really are. Marriage reveals who we really are. Listen, that's why John Art Artberg wrote the book, Everybody is Perfect Till You Get to Know Them. Right? And then you realize, you know what? They're as imperfect as I am. And if you want to establish long-term, long-lasting relationships, then it's learning we're imperfect. We're learning that there's no such thing as good and bad, that we're all sinful, we're all messed up, we all have imperfections, and we give them grace. The third principle is, or second, ah, oh, we got to move fast. <laughs> wow. Okay, listen fast. Second principle, understand that forgiveness is, is for your sake, not theirs. See, that's, that's what keeps people from forgiving other people is they believe, you know what? If I forgive them, I'm going to, like, release them. I'm going to say what they're doing is okay to me. Uh, I'm saying it's okay. I'm saying it's no big deal. I'm, I'm releasing. And all this, listen, let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. See, so you're not letting the offender off the hook. Forgiveness is for the person that is harboring the resentment. I mean, you've got that hot coal in your hand. It is burning you. It is destroying you. 
And forgiveness is just laying it down. Continue on, Second uh, Samuel 16, verse 10. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you son of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, talk about Shimei, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And so David said to Abibashai uh, and to all his servants, uh, Behold, my own, my own son seeks my life. In other words, guess what? This isn't the toughest thing I'm dealing with right now. My kid's trying to kill me. And how much more now may this Benjamite leave him along and let him curse, for the Lord has told, has told him to. And maybe the Lord will look on the wrong he has done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Okay, David's depressed. There is depression in the Bible. And David's depressed. He's at this lowest point. And David is so depressed. You know what he's saying? You know what he's thinking? Maybe I'm getting what I deserve. You reap what you sow. Maybe I'm getting what, maybe I'm getting what I deserve. And he may be thinking, you know what? I know I made some mistakes in parenting. I know I made some mistakes in marriage, that whole Bathsheba deal and that choice and how that thing went down. And you know what? I, I made some mistakes as, as a king and I'm an imperfect person. And you know what? Maybe if I just take one for the team, God will bless me. Verse 13, so David and his men went on the road, and while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed him as he went, he threw stones at him. And now watch this. This guy's gone crackers. Now he just flung dust. When people harbor resentment and they attack you and they don't get a response out, they don't get a desired response out of you, they will go crackers. You want to mess with your enemy's head? Forgive them. They won't, know how to, they, they won't know what to do with that. They won't even know how to handle that. And so David continues to just ignore Simei. And, and what a huge expression of grace. And what a, man, what a mature guy. And in 2 Samuel chapter 19, you, you can read this for yourself, but, but they meet again. Shimei and David meet again. This was years later, and, and David decided to forgive him even though he, he was advised of, by his co-workers to get revenge and to take his head off. And so, so, But David's men had destroyed Absalom. Absalom has fallen. Now David is a new king, and he's coming back in the palace. And oh, guess who's still living there? And guess who's living in Jerusalem? Shimei. You would not want to be... Shimei at this point, right? And that's why in business you always be careful of those that you offend and those that you hurt because one day you may work for him or her. And all of a sudden he's coming back, verse 16, and Shimei the son of Gera, uh, the Benjamite uh, from Barum, uh, uh, hurried to come with the men of Judah to meet the king. As they, and they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to go to do his pleasure. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king and, and was about to cross the Jordan and said to the king, so here we go, here's the conversation. Let not my Lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. Do not let the king take this to heart for your servant knows, here we go, his confession, your servant knows I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I come this day the first of, of all the house of Joseph to come down to meet my Lord, the king. Shimei is begging for his life. Shimei is saying, I have sinned against you, and I'm asking that you forgive me, and you don't kill me. And here's what David's advisor says in verse 21. And Abishai, the son of Zerah, uh, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? When you have been wronged, when you have been hurt, there will always be family members, there will always be friends that say, Take their head off. Make them hurt the same way they hurt you. 
Return evil for evil. Humiliate them the way they humiliated you. Write that email. Send that letter. Have that conversation. But David ignores his friend's counsel. Listen, forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Verse 23, but David said, what have I to do with you? You sons of Zariah, that you should this day be as an adversary to me. In other words, here it is. It is you, not your enemies, that determine who your enemies are. It's right here in David's life. David says, just because you think you're an adversary of mine does not make you my adversary, does not make you my enemy. For I do not know that I am this day the king, for, for do I not know that I am this day king over Israel? In other words, I got the power over this. And the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king gave him an oath and gave him a promise that you will not be put to death. The third principle is this. Forgiveness is understanding how much you've been forgiven. If you have never felt the grace of God, if you have never felt the forgiveness of God, if you have never felt the mercy of God, you cannot give out what you do not have. Forgiveness is understanding how much God has forgiven you for. David Samans uh, wrote a book called Healing for Damaged Emotions that I think is out of print, but you can still get it through, through used bookstores. He made this statement in his book, Healing for Damaged Emotions, and he said, the top reason for emotional instability is the failure to receive forgiveness and the failure to forgive. David Samans would say, most counselors would say, forgiveness in life is huge of learning how to forgive and learning how to receive forgiveness. And one of the keys to forgiveness is this, just what Scripture teaches, is remembering how much God has forgiven you. When we sin against another human, they're imperfect. When we sin against God, He is perfect and He is holy and He is righteous. And He forgives. Maybe in David's mind, when Shimei was having this conversation, maybe, maybe he went back to after the affair with Bathsheba. And he told God, I've, I've forgiven, I've, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I ask that you forgive me. And maybe David remembered what it was like to feel the grace and the forgiveness of God in his life. And David didn't allow his men, he didn't allow his friends to retaliate. And, and you know what? Maybe you're 100% right. But it's not your job to get even. It's not your job to settle the score. It is your job to pray. It is your job to leave it up to God. But it is not your job. I'm telling you, it is so liberating. It is so liberating when you take that hot coal that's been burning you and destroying you and you lay it down for the first time. That's why Paul said in Romans, bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. In other words, be big enough to forgive. We've been in this series called Heroes, right? We've been looking at different people's lives in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And one common theme through all of their lives is this. They all had the ability to forgive. It takes a big person. It takes a hero to forgive. See, we read this story about Shimei and, and David, and we're kind of, we don't stand up and applaud Shimei, right? We say, what a jerk. But we look at David's life who forgave, and we say, what a hero. 
that he could like rise above it. See, 1 Kings chapter 2, just so we keep it real this morning, tells us that this wasn't an easy thing to forgive for David. Fact is, this was something that David never got over. Now listen, you know me as a pastor that I believe in preaching the whole counsel of God. And sometimes, it just, sometimes it's just kind of hard to preach. But, but we just got to understand this. And David struggled with this issue of forgiveness just like us. And guess what? That should bring some encouragement to us. The last principle is this. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing process. Anybody that tells you forgiveness is easy is never forgave. Anybody that tells you forgive and forget has never walked through forgiveness. Forgiveness is, a, is not a one-time experience. Forgiveness is an ongoing process. Second King, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. And there is also with you Shimei, the son of Gera. This is, this, is, this is when David's dying. And the Benjamite of Barum, uh, who crossed me with a grievous curse on the day that I went up to Maim. And so David is remembering. He's on his deathbed. He goes, oh, there's this, there's this thing. Don't forget that guy Shimei. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord and saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless. For you are a wise man. He's talking to Solomon. Solomon's going to be the king. In other words, he's saying, I promised to kill him, not to kill him. But you didn't. You will know what you ought to do to him and you shall bring his gray head down with the blood of Shoal. That was his dying breath. And then David slept with his father and was buried in the city of David. What happened? David's trying to get even with him. Trying to get even with him on his deathbed. It's like the woman that, that had put on her husband's tombstone, rest in peace until I get there. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like David is still dealing with this issue of unforgiveness. And David remembered on his deathbed what Shimei had done and how Shimei had hurt him. And he begins to tell his friends, you know what? I promised not to kill him, but you're smart. You didn't promise to kill him. You guys, you guys can take care of this for me when I'm gone. You know what that tells me? Time does not heal all wounds. That's a myth. Fact is, sometimes time makes wounds worse. And you know why? Because they get infected. Resentment is an infection of the heart. Resentment and unforgiveness affects the heart and keeps you from having successful relationships because of that. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing... And didn't, didn't Jesus really say that when they asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive? And he says what? He, he told him he says, 70 times 7. And David dies, and they decide not to execute Shimei and because Solomon was a, was a wise man and he was a wise leader. Lee Strobel, in his book, Outrageous Claim, wrote a... The fact is, a lot of the book was based off of Terry Anderson's life. Terry Anderson was an Associated Press reporter, and in the late 80s, he was in Lebanon. And, and so they, 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 held, they held Terry Anderson hostage in Lebanon for like seven years. And so when they held him hostage, they asked him, what, what would you like? What, would you like a book? Because you're a writer and all this other stuff. And Terry Anderson says, you know what? I, I want a Bible. And so they gave him a Bible. And for seven years, that, that Terry Anderson lived in a spider-infested cell. They chained him to the wall. And uh, there was mental torture. There was physical torture. There was death. He missed his family. 
Uh, he went through illness. He went through sickness for seven years. And then he began to take Scripture and search Scripture for any hope and any encouragement that he could find. And then all of a sudden, he's a reading along in Scripture, and he comes to this Scripture that says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in the margin of his Bible, he wrote, outrageous claim. That's crazy. Can you imagine how crazy that advice seemed to a man that was in prison for seven years and being tortured and away from his family? How crazy that seemed. In December the 4th, 1991, Terry Anderson is, is released. It's his first interview in New York with journalists around him. And someone just asked him the question, can you forgive? Have you been able to forgive your captors? And so Terry Anderson writes in the interview that he had with Lee Strobel. He says, when I was asked that question, I immediately thought of the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive me the same way that I forgive others. And he answered the question and said, it is an outrageous claim. But I understand that forgiveness is for me and not for them. And God has done a huge work in my life. Yes, as a Christian, I am required and you are required to forgive. It is not an option. It is not something that you should consider. It is a command. Because it is for your sake and not for theirs. Forgiveness should be done sooner than later. Because the dangerous thing about unforgiveness is this. When you don't forgive, it keeps the healing process from starting and completing in your life. So the question is, how long will we walk around with that hot coal in our hands, hoping to burn and destroy someone else? when it is only burning and destroying us. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is God saying to you as a result of his word? How does God want you to respond to this, just this sermon and just to his word? And, and maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're not a believer. And I'm telling you, without Christ in your life, there is no way you can forgive. You do not have the power to forgive in your flesh. It is only through his strength that you can forgive. You cannot forgive others till you, until you have felt forgiven. And this would be your day that you'd ask him to come into your life and start your Christian life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? What is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. Is there resentment in your life? Are you carrying that hot coal, burning your life, expecting to hurt and destroy others? unbelievable freedom when you and I come to the place we can lay our coals down and leave it up to God maybe this morning you're here and you just need prayer you're carrying a burden I already believe you know who you are God's already made that evident to you if you're carrying a burden it does not matter to us what whether it's a medical issue a financial issue a health issue a, a relational issue maybe it is an issue of unforgiveness and you just need someone to encourage you and speak into your life then after I pray and we stand, I'm just going to invite you to real quickly, as you stand, you step out and you make your way down here and we'll pray for you.